Welcome NEC fans to our latest NEC Now podcast on the NEC Overtime Pod. Today I'm joined by Mount St. Mary's Director of Athletics, Lynn Robinson. We will be discussing Title IX, the role of women in collegiate athletics, and the future of our institutions. Lynn, thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here. Appreciate the invitation. Thank you. Of course. So not only were you a student athlete, but you were a three-sport athlete at the Mount, competing in field hockey, basketball, and tennis. You graduated in 1979, only seven years after the implementation of Title IX. What was it like being a female athlete prior to Title IX in your middle school and early high school years? I can't imagine it was easy competing in such a variety of sports during a time where it wasn't necessarily widely encouraged. Right, there was not a lot of, uh, there were not a lot of organized sports uh, for, for, for girls at all. And, and growing up here in rural Maryland and Emmitsburg especially. So it's very fortunate to grow up. My, my father, my father was, the, is, is, was the head men's basketball coach here at the Mount for 49 years. So I grew up in a very, very athletic-minded family. So I learned from a very young age. I was, I was a tomboy from a very young age and very, very much enjoyed uh, whether it was just playing, learn from an early age. I, I loved baseball. I loved playing catch of the football. And of course, my life was spent going with, going up as much as I could with my dad to practice and shooting hoops. So we, we were uh, being, being around athletics our whole time, uh, our whole lives was, was just as very integral to all of it. But I did, there were no, there were no teams. I didn't play. Uh, basketball was my sport and there was not a team to play on until, until high school in terms of that there were no camps. Mm-hmm. My father started a girls basketball camp and he, he says, geez, I wish I had done this a long time ago. And so he did it for my sister and I, and, and he, st- he always had a boys camp and he started a girls camp. So my, my, my sister and I, and a lot of, uh, you know, his colleagues and their daughter, the, his friends of his and their daughters would come. And so it would, you could really see it, see it, see it growing. But I had an interesting, we had a, a local gentleman had a, there was a track team called the Fairfield Striders and this, he was coached by, by uh, Bill Gilbert, and he was a real advocate for for women in sports. And in fact, he he wrote a very famous article for Sports Illustrated called "Women Are Getting a Raw Deal," and it was in the 1970s. And Bill was a he he passed away a couple years ago, but he was a real pioneer for women's sports. Again, started in the small town of of uh, Fairfield, Pennsylvania, which is very close to Emmitsburg. And we had he had we went all over the country with the Fairfield Striders, and it was it was AU track is what it was, and so we would from going from competing in, in cross country and, and outdoor track and in the summer. So we we did have that in all through what, the, what would have, would have been middle school. So I did that through probably like from sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, and and tenth, and then Bill uh, and his family moved away. But that was a great experience, and and Bill is was just or else we wouldn't have had, we wouldn't have had anything till, until high school. And so then I went to a very very small high school. And, and that's what I tell the students now. I said there used to be a beginning and end to seasons. So, <laughs> so you played your sport. You had you had the sport that you played, and and then you, the next you played your. We didn't have soccer. Uh, we played, but we had field hockey. So played field hockey in the fall, and then you had the fall, and then you went to basketball, and then when basketball was over, and the Mount we started a track team. I tore my ACL my senior year in college playing basketball, so I couldn't play my spring sport that year, which we were were getting into. We were starting a track, and I had was going to go back to my track roots and be a, um, a you know, throw the discus and and do my track events, which I had loved, and I was so excited that we were starting, but then I was was injured and couldn't do it. So, but. Yeah, so growing up, if not for my dad, I mean, I literally, my ninth birthday was going to see the Baltimore Orioles. And I, you know, I, I just, that was, that was in getting Brooks Robinson's autograph. And it was, it was my, my sports were just a really big part of, part of my life. So I'm very lucky that, you know, I had the dad that said, 
let's go out and have a catch, you know, and we, yeah. we and, and that's, that, that was what we did. And then coming up to the gym, I just would learn to play basketball, just, you know, he taught, taught us all how to play basketball up in the gym and kind of, kind of had, had the gym to ourselves. So it was, so, so it was great. Yeah, that's great. And it's great that you had that support, especially in the early years. So you were a student athlete in that first decade following Title IX, a coach in the second, and an athletics administrator for the last over two decades. What progress have you seen regarding gender equity in collegiate athletics firsthand? Yeah, you could, it, it's been an incredible transformation. It, it really, really has. And so when I, when I went to college, um, so yeah, Title IX, sorry, 1972. And, and so when you're, when you're going through it, and you're in high school, and you, you know, you're hearing about it, you don't really know what, what the impact is, is going to be, but all I know is by, by the time I, I got, got to college, um, we were adding sports every year at Mount St. Mary's because more and more girls were coming into school who had benefited, had been able to play in high school. So there was access. So while there was always, there was this core group of us, there really, to fill the rosters, you had to, to be double or triple sport participants because not, you didn't really have enough. So we would, we would li literally go to field hockey practice. We'd bring our basketball stuff with us. So we'd oh, finish wow. field hockey practice. We'd run over to the cafeteria to get something neat. And then we'd run back to the gym for basketball practice. So there was always that about three week overlap and people now just like, how, you know, how did you do that? I'm like, we yeah. wouldn't have changed. We wouldn't have changed before the world. We were doing what we loved, what we loved, what we loved to do. So there was, there was quite a bit of overlap, but there, uh, but by the time I graduated from college, so in those four years, just the, the number of, of, of uh, participation opportunities had grown dramatically. And then the A, there was the AIAW was the, was the women's collegiate yeah. uh, sport. That was the governing body. And, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, and while the women's sports was getting so much more popular than the NCAA um, and the AIW, thank God for them. You know, they they offered us the, these 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 postseason championship opportunities, mm -hmm. and and it was it was a wonderful to have. And then the NCAA said, well, we we, you know, we see this growth happening. I wish they had seen it earlier, right? But then they decided to have women's sports. I think it was around. I think it was like 1982, 81 or 82, when they made that decision, and that allowed tremendous access to, to championships. And at the time, we were we were uh, Division Two. Mm -hmm. And so we were, Mount St. Mary's was division two. So we had a, a team, women's basketball team, go to the final four in, in uh, 19, 1982. And, you know, we, we were and our men's team, teams had gone there too. And a lot of great, we had some track and field All-Americans for both men's and women's, some of which I coached our, 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 our women's team. Um, but it was, and then to see where we've come from there, it's, it's just like, uh, it's night and day. It's night, it's night and day. And, and what I've, I can, I can, you know, my own mind, when I look at my own daughter's ex athletic experience, I have, a, I have a son and two daughters and I, I have, and they're all, you know, 30, 32 and 33 now, and, but their athletic experiences from whether they started when they were four or five yeah. has been the exact same. Like they had the same opportunities going through. And, and while my daughters competed through, they all competed in all sports right through high school. And then my daughters continued on into college. My son didn't play intercollegiate sports, but he was a very good athlete too. And I, I think that was a good sign to me. It was like they had the, the same experiences. And in fact, probably on my daughter's basketball time in, in high school, they won a state championship. They probably had more people come to all their women's, to the girls' games than, than were coming to the boys' game. And the community support. And so I, I've seen the, absolutely a, a transformation when, when, it, when it comes to that. And, and while the sad irony is that with, with all the growth of the, the, the athletics for girls and women, there actually are fewer women coaching. 
which yes, yes. which is is really uh which, which is really sad when when you when you when you read that and and people don't quite understand that i said well yeah because there's more you know these jobs became desirable exactly and and you and you had a, and then so a lot a lot more men started getting coaching and and not that they're not that there's anything wrong with that but there's there's actually fewer women in, in in coaching now and because of whether it is the time commitment and whether it is the 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 life work balance and the family balance and stuff and that's something that that i know that that i would love to i see that as a big part of what i should be doing is is trying to mentoring our young our young coaches and giving young women coaches a, an opportunity to, to be to, to wear that head coaching hat and to get involved with coaching because it's the most rewarding experience you can get i know that's probably a, a future question that you'll be asking but to, to get back to your original the, the, the past question was yeah it's it's been it's very been very rewarding and very exciting to see the transformation of of, of athletics uh, at all levels for girls and women and and it's and it's uh you know it's exciting to 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 be a part of that yeah definitely and it's interesting you mentioned that um about you know women's coaching because prior to title nine about 90 percent of women's teams were coached by women and now that numbers are in the 30s depending on the division but at division one level it's about 34 percent. so it was a very very drastic drop over the years yeah no it's it's 90 in the 30s is you know yeah. I, what is that 90 to less than 50 percent but boy that's probably that's even more than more more than what i more than what i thought mm -hmm. it's definitely it's a startling fact that you wouldn't it is and it and it's and it's a you know it's it's very it's very it's very unfortunate and it's because there's i think that's it's something that a, a lot of young women would would love to, to have that opportunity that pathway yeah. A key focus of the discussions I've been having is the role of the NEC as an example of gender equity across the NCAA. For example, the Northeast Conference is the only Division I conference where all the women's basketball head coaches are female. Why do you think the Northeast Conference has been able to make these kinds of steps forward? We have really benefited by having Noreen Morris as our, as our commissioner. So she is, she is just a, uh, a great representative, represents our conference you know, at the highest levels of engagement at the at the NCAA and amongst her colleagues in the in, in uh, of conference commissioners and 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 you know her leadership has been is is has just been just been critical to to this growth i, I in, in my opinion and also just being a a great a great colleague and in, in engagement her level of engagement with each and every university in in the NEC and and with from presidents to to the ADs and all that so there's been a real um, the NEC is, is, is just it's such a wonderful collegial conference, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we are all male or female or whatever the case may be, but we all learn, many of us have come up through different levels in the, in, in our careers. And so we, we truly uh, understand those, those, and Noreen has worked on college campuses and other, and, 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 and obviously for many years. So she understands, well understands what goes on on the on the all of our all of our campuses so no it's it's a really something we should be should be proud of and and i know it, it hasn't it hasn't happened overnight if you did a snapshot from five five years ago how many women coaches would there have been in, in basketball i know we we were we are male most most of them are probably male so i think there's been a real conscious effort of the of the athletic directors mm -hmm. you know and and, and noreen's leadership and and with the with the ad's to say Look, we've we've got to make sure that we as we as leaders of our of our departments that we that we are you know making sure that 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 
this commitment to, to, to gender equity that we show that in many ways and make sure that we're that we're interviewing women on our on our searches right making sure that we're in, we're, we're, we're including uh, cer certainly that we have a diverse candidate pool in, in, in every way and make sure that we're giving and there's there could be sometimes it is the you know the the out of the box candidate that maybe doesn't have all the experience but that presents a whole other skill set and a way to connect with with our young women athletes who who I think many of them have had and I, I only male coaches but a lot more having female coaches mm -hmm. and 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 I have having that that connection and and building those relationships I think we can see the strength in that when, when it is when it is a, a woman leader a woman's coach we, we we also have we just we hired a water polo coach and she's coaching men and women so you know we're, we're, we're that's our latest sport that we added and and she has just done a done a remarkable job being a you know women women can and it's not just the X's and the O's, right? It's the caring, it's the empathy, it's 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 the communication, and these are all things that are that you got to build that foundation based upon these core values, and then the rest will work. You know, the the, the rest will work. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to focus specifically on your women's basketball team, who had an impressive year, ending the season with the number two seed of the NEC tournament before the coronavirus unfortunately canceled the semifinal game. Yeah. I also think it's important to note that four of the five members of that coaching staff are female. As the director of athletics, how have you seen that particular coaching staff contribute to the success of your student athletes? Each of them individually are remarkable, remarkable um, young women, and in terms of their they understand and appreciate and embrace the university mission, but also the mission of athletics and the mission and the, uh, the critical area of, of, of importance of, of a student athlete experience. And they can bring out the best in these kids and that they can bring, they, 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 they work hard. They get these, they motivate these kids to work hard. So each one of them individually have some really great individual attributes and in but together they're stronger, you know, <laughs> together as a team, they're, they're stronger as a coaching staff. Um, including our male coach, you know, they, they, they work together so well. And I think our, our, our I, I know that our student athletes, uh, on, on members of the women's team, that they, they see that, they see that collective effort of them. And there is so much communication. I, I have to say that over and over. And the stuff that Maria Marcasano, our head coach, she would, we would talk a lot, this, I've talked to all our coaches these past few months, what have they been doing? And, and I'm, I'm just inspired by the things that she's doing on her Zoom calls, like to the point where letting, taking turns, letting them lead the book club discussion, right? The, the letting, letting them bring it up, the, t the topics and having these tough conversations that we've had about, about race and diversity and, and, and the, the, the climate of, and I, I just, as much as it's, a new world for everybody so many of our coaches have really embraced it and and maria and her staff are, are right up there with it so no it's it's i think they each have they each bring a little something different and i always tell our head coaches you don't want to hire someone who's just like you right you want to you want to hire someone who's who's going to bring ultimately you're the head coach you got to make the tough decisions but the people that you have on your staff you want them to challenge is maybe not the right word but just say well here's another way and so each each coach brings with them their own experiences as a player as a coach as a what they see in recruiting so i think that 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 uh relationship that they have with with each other has been is really quite a strength of, of our staff yeah that's great to hear so in 1996 the year before you were named associate athletics director for compliance and operations only 6.7 percent of division one associate ad's were female 
According to the NCAA's most recent report, so this would be 2019, less than 15% of Division I athletic directors are, are female. As someone who has served in both of these roles, what has it meant for you to be an example of success in these limited spaces? You know, it's not until you think about the numbers as you and the stats that you that you that you uh, bring up that you, know, you just don't think of it that way. You're just saying like, hey, mm-hmm. I got a big job here, I'm doing the best I can, and <laughs> um, and you know, I've been here my whole career, so I, I know all the alumni, and and I, I uh, probably. I guess by now probably have hired the majority of our coaches. Some of them I, I did not hire as an AD, but I was here when they were hired, obviously, and it was part of that hiring process. When I, when I think about my career and raising three young children, you know, back when they were, when they were little, and, and I think about the, the 90s are kind of a blur for me <laughs> in that respect in terms of their ages and everything, and, and they're all their sports and, and, and all the stuff that's involved with that uh, athletics. I still think every day when I come in, these past few months different coming into a quiet building, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very uh, thankful. I'm filled with gratitude to have had such a great career at a wonderful school that I, that I love and, and feel like it's part of, part of my family. And, and I always included that with, with my children as, as I was included as a child of, of uh, a coach and athletic, an athletic director. So when, when I look at the, um, the overall numbers, I, I just think it's, you know, and you have to be, I tell this to young people when they're coming in, you have to be willing, and they do internships, I said, don't focus on one area. Be willing to, I think there's, there's probably been a lot more siloing of, of, of areas within athletics. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I was coaching and I was doing compliance and I was doing assistant AD stuff, but I, if I needed to drive a van for a team, I drove the van. If I needed to help their set up the hurdles for the track, you know, I, I, I was, I was doing that and, not, and I'm not, touting myself for that. I'm just saying that's what you, you do. You wear, you wear different hats. I started our, our student athlete advisory committee, started our academic support services many years ago. Cause like, I think we need this, you know, I, I think we need this. So I think that it's, that it, there is a lot, it's a very, it's a very um, time consuming job. And, and when you look at weekends and evenings, but it's, it's so, I've just found it so rewarding because of the relationships that I've built. So when I think about young people, maybe, deciding elsewhere and we'll lose some coaches and some young staff members because they, they can get a better job and maybe regular hours and, and certainly probably better, better pay along the way. And, and I, and I understand, I understand their decisions. I, I hope that they, that if, if that we can have continue to have, I would love to see those numbers grow in terms in terms of the, the number of women in diversity and diversity in general, because I just think that um, women in leadership roles make organizations and institutions stronger you know I, I just i just think i just think that they do and 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 to, to have to have more women represented because let's face it the collegiate population is typically more than 50 percent women and i think that that is very important to our not just to my coaching staff but also to my to our student athletes so i, I hope that those numbers you'd hope that they would have grown a little, little but, and I'm sure there's many more, much more data and stats that we can look at to, to try to figure, figure that out. But I, I hope that the, the, that that continues to grow and expand. My daughter's a head women's nice. lacrosse coach at University of Chicago, so oh, you know, nice. so, wow, yeah, yeah. So she's um, started. She's enjoying her co- coaching career, and and she has benefited from so many wonderful mentors in, in her and her as as a 
collegiate and collegiate athlete and, and where she's been at the schools at, since landing at Chicago. In each place, there were wonderful women who have been just great mentors. And so when I go to some of our, our women's leaders meetings, you know, at conventions, and I, I'll see all of them, and I always thank them for what, they, what, what they've, they've done for my daughter. But that's what they, they, they're just, that's the impact they have on, on, on young coaches. And, and, it makes, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah, and it's been so great to hear over the course of these conversations I've had just how willing women in leadership positions are to mentor like the next generation of coaches and administrators. And it's just, it's really, really great to hear. No, I think that's so important of, yeah. we all benefited from that. And, and I benefited from mentors that were, were, were male as well. There's a lot of great men because there's more men in, in athletics. So I, I'm truly appreciative for, for the, for the, the mentors that had in my life of, of, of both genders. And, and I feel that this is something that I feel such gratitude and, and it's important to give back. And, and I don't look at, I look at it as just something that I love doing and want to do and it's important to do. Yeah, definitely. So you were exposed to Mount St. Mary's and the world of athletic administration from a very young age. Like you said before, your father, Jim, was a legendary Mount basketball coach and athletics director. Why exactly did you want to follow in this career path and become an athletics administrator yourself? And how have you seen that reasoning change or expand over the course of your career? the truth be told is I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was in college all I did what I did know was this was that I I, uh, I loved athletics being part of my life my, my, my whole life there was there was not there was not a major back now we have the master's you can have an undergraduate degree in sport management a master's degree in sport management there wasn't any of those those types of majors and I was a political science major political science and history and that's what I love and I was planning on going to law school <laughs> and and um, it, it was, it was my, uh, senior year and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I did, I was derailed by my injury. Of course, back in that day, you, you didn't get an ACL reconstruction. You didn't have the other year. I just, I didn't know what was wrong. I kept on trying to play, 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 and end up, you know, I couldn't play anymore because uh, finally I did a you know, surgery and said, well, you tore this ACL. It was just, it was back in this dark age. We didn't have a trainer either. So, so I spent a lot of that time, my senior year probably initially feeling like sad for myself and like, well, what do, what do I want to do? And so I saw athletics from a different perspective, sitting on the bench for the first time, being right. injured, not playing. And, and so I started thinking of coaching in, in, in that sense. And I was always working the camps. And then I was always, I was, I started coaching at my old high school the year after that. And at the time the Mount was adding sports and they said, look, we need, uh, you, you, we need to have, there were no women coaches or anything. So we need to have, while you're doing, teaching and coaching at your old high school. Can you come back and help out? I'm like, yeah, sure. And it was just kind of accompanying the team. So I, I, I got into it that way. It was really part-time in the beginning and then it grew to full-time. And when we joined the NCAA from the AIW, the NCAA said, well, you have to, and then we made transition to division one, you have to have someone to do compliance. So I did kind of feel like I should have, I should be an attorney by now, all my years in compliance. <laughs> I should I should be a lawyer. Um, but so then I, I, I gradually, at, and as at that point, the university, at our, our athletic number of athletic teams was growing. So I just, I left coaching and got into full-time administration, being assistant AD, including compliance, including, you know, what, what, whatever else. But that was, that was something, making that transition from division two to division one from the late eighties and early, early, early nineties. So I, I, and at that point, you know, I had a young family growing. So, so as much as the administration was, was tedious, it, it was, it was harder probably 
it, it was better than being on the road coaching and, and, and the recruiting part of it. So, so, and, and I liked it. I liked learning the, all the different elements of the, I liked going to the convention. I liked, we joined the NEC in, in the, in the, like 89, 90 around that time, I think. And, and, you know, meeting, meeting the colleagues in our new conference. And there was a huge learning curve for, not just for me, but for our whole athletic department, because it was, it was, it was quite a transition. So working, working through all, all of that, it was something that I was really, I really, really enjoyed learning about the administrative roles. And, and as I said earlier, learning many different, many different aspects of it, uh, of, of the intercollegiate athletics administration. So yeah, there definitely was a learning curve and I, I had to, I had to learn, learn a lot. So then growing, just expanding my roles with, with each of my, the ADs, my predecessors. And then when, when uh, Chappie manager, dear friend, wonderful athletic director, when he decided to retire in, I'm going to say 06, 07, our president said something to me. Um, he, he said, look, I, I feel, I feel you're ready. Your Chappie is, is very supportive of you. And is this something, would you want to, would you accept the exhibition? And I said, of course, of course, I'll accept it. And, and it was very chaotic first year because I didn't actually have a chance to replace me in that first year. Yeah, okay. So, so that was nuts. That was I'm nuts. Sure. So I'm doing, yeah. So I'm like, well, I can't do this for much longer. I said, so let's, so let's, so then you just, you're being AD and you're, uh, doing the, the bigger stuff, but then I'm in the weeds doing compliance stuff. And, and, and it just was, it was, it was a, it was a challenging year, but I had lots of folks who, who were helping me and were, were working through that. But yeah, it was, it seemed like a nat natural transition uh, at, at the time. I, I, I feel having my playing and coaching experience really helps me as an administrator. I feel my different administrative roles help me as an AD. Yes. And, and so I think it's all, you know, it's just this collection of experiences and bits and pieces. I think being a daughter of a a coach has, has, helped, has helped me see things differently. So I, I very, you know, I was very grateful for the opportunity and, and that's the thing. I feel like I still have more to learn. And so that's something that I would always advise people just continue to continue to, to, to learn, continue to evolve because that's, that's what we all, the, the world is doing that. So we, we, we need to keep doing that to, to, as each generation comes up and as the world changes, there certainly is a lot I still have a lot more to learn. <laughs> so you did just kind of touch on this, but by way of wrap up, do you have any final words of encouragement or advice for young women looking to pursue careers in collegiate athletics? Yeah. Um, yes. So, something like that. Something, things that we've touched on before. Don't, don't be afraid to, 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 um, to, to go out of your comfort zone. So to learn different aspects. Don't go into a thing and well, I'm really interested in you know, this part. I know. Learn as much as you can about everything and, and, and go out of your comfort comfort zone as much as possible also you know don't be don't be afraid to to ask questions you know mm -hmm. sometimes you're not going to know it all I don't know it all be be active learner and, and take advantage of of mentors that you meet at, at meetings or at events and 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 you, you know they can often become your 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 your, 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 your friends for life. And so make sure that you, you have, take advantage of uh, men mentors in, in the field that you're interested in and, and, and ask the questions. And also don't let, um, always be curious, continue to be curious and maybe want, wanting, wanting to learn, but, but just know that it, it is, you can find the balance, you know, you can find the balance. And if you are involved with it and it seems overwhelming, step back, take some time for yourself, recharge the batteries and, and, and get back in there. Because at the end of the day, when you're in a job that, that you love and you find rewarding, it, it's, it's, 
that's the that's the biggest gift of all, and that's what you look back on, and and, and you'll and you'll be and you'll be happy with, and you can make you can make it all work if you have that. Yeah, definitely. That was great. Thank you. You're welcome. That was Mount St. Mary's Director of Athletics, Lynn Robinson, and this has been NEC Now.